Welcome to the Card Custom Home and Architecture Podcast, the podcast that guides those looking for a home that expresses their unique lifestyle to release creative DNA into their project and have it completed while keeping the artistic vision alive. Now, here's your architect creative, J.D. Carling. Hello, future custom homeowners. Welcome back to the Card Custom Home and Architecture Podcast. Now, we are in the middle of a series I call Kitchen, Bath, and Beyond. And we had an intermediate episode about interior design because I had a guest. And before that, we spoke about bathrooms. But today, we are getting possibly to the most important space in the house, and that is the kitchen. And it's so much more than that these days. So I think most of us are aware that the kitchen used to be something that was off to the side or only a certain part of the house. It wasn't open to everything. And now the past decade or two, it's all been the great room. Everybody wants everything in one room. And the kitchen is kind of the centerpiece of that. If you look at it from the economic standpoint, and the economics is tied to the artistic side of it, the biggest impact that you get, you know, people who flip houses most of the time will paint, change the drywall, fix whatever code problems there are, and then put a new kitchen in. And then secondary is upgrade the bathroom, which sometimes they just literally recoat a bathtub or take a bathtub out and put tile and then paint everything. I mean, but the biggest dollars impact comes from a kitchen. So that's just kind of a clue to me that that's something that people really care about or a good anecdote, if you will. But in the custom home, this is your opportunity to think about all the places you've lived, all the places you've visited, all the current experiences that you're having that you wish were different or something else you did experience before that you would like to have back and amalgamate that and synergize it all into one thing for your current lifestyle. And the kitchen, I do think of it as kind of like the heart or the nexus of activity in the home. Everyone will most likely come there. When you wake up, you'll go there multiple times of the day. You'll be in that space. Each person may only go in one bedroom or one bathroom. The kitchen area, though, is something that most likely everybody is going to be involved with, and there's a lot of functionality behind it. I was just meeting with somebody last week, and they have a, relatively speaking, very large home, and they were talking about the way their kitchen was designed and you know how in their new space they want to have something totally different because it ends up, one, making... And I've heard this multiple times, but since it's recent, I'm thinking through that one. Everybody gathers around the kitchen and they're all clustered up because the way the appliances are. There's a rule of thumb that's like the kitchen. It's not a golden triangle, but the kitchen triangle where everything's supposed to be a certain distance from each other. And if you have a walkthrough kitchen or a, a galley, there's different dimensions between cabinets you want, things like that that are very important to take into consideration, but not be something you're locked down to. You want to think about your specific family, your specific friends, your specific holidays, and your daily routine and how those are going to influence that. So they were noticing the people that lived there, they were jumbled up on top of each other. Then they were like, every time we have people over, and I've heard this time and time again, we have people over and they all just stay in the kitchen. 
they've got huge living rooms, you know, bigger than 20 by 20, you know, so relatively speaking, that's a large living room. And even a, a large dining room right next to it with like a 10 seat table or something. But everybody just hangs out around the kitchen island. And I find that so fascinating because that's the activity. Now, one thing I like to remind people is if you're having even a, a party of like 10, 12 people, whatever, at your house, so you can all sit at the table. If you're in the kitchen, most likely people are going to be in there. So I think that that isn't necessarily always related to the architecture as it is the social aspect. But I have worked on a few homes where we've been aware of that, that the homeowners were like, hey, we're probably going to be preparing stuff and things like that. And so we use the um, island as kind of like a peninsula to not that it was attached, but like something that bridged the space between kind of like a hangout living room space, a dining space and the kitchen. So that became like of those three things that became the middle instead of it being so much like a kitchen isolated with an island in it. And I've actually been to that house multiple times now and seen that the dynamic has changed for their family. And that's really cool to see that it is possible with architecture. But you have to be intentional about understanding, hey, I'm this type of person. I like to be preparing the food while people are over and I might be in there too. Or it's like I'm going to spread things out in the house and be around. So you can form your architecture around that. So getting into the functionality of it is very important. And there's multiple things that you can do. So one is work with an architect and a, an, or interior designer who understands kitchens. Two is what we do a lot of times now is we do not only the 3D views that people can see, but virtual reality walkthroughs. We use the Quest. That's what we use. Other people, there's a lot of different tools out there that I think like HTC and other people make that you can do. One fun thing that I'm going to mention, I've done this one time, but there are actually places that will go. you can go we have one in Orlando where they will project your entire floor plan in a warehouse. It's like a big metal building warehouse and they have ceiling projectors and you can walk around in the whole house and specifically the kitchen. I like the virtual reality because you can actually reach to the cabinet, reach to a faucet and tell how distant things are apart. And it is even possible to move stuff is a whole nother level. Like I can very easily make a space for somebody to walk through nowadays. It's a matter of a few minutes once the model is done to translate it into that. And uh, also the user, like if you're wearing it, just being able to walk around and touch stuff is fairly easy. So working with somebody who understands it, working through it, one simple one that we've done before is tape out the space on the floor so that so that you can walk through and kind of get a feel of your steps, a feel of what you're going to be doing in that space that does wonders and it's super, super easy if you're at your place and you've got a kitchen this design. Get some blue tape because it comes up easy and tape out the kitchen that you're designing for your custom home in your garage. It could be in your driveway. If you have a living room currently that's big enough, you could do that too. And you'll get a really good sense of what the proportions of the architecture are going to do for you. So with that, we've talked a little bit about adjacency, but I've only really talked about the great room aspect or like what people tend to be doing now. Now, some houses, I'm even designing one house right now that has a second kitchen. So there's like the hangout kitchen that has things that people might be hanging out and doing. So there's like the coffee machine, the wine fridge, um, sink, things like that, a microwave. And then there's like 
the ovens and cooktops and stuff like that are in another space that's a separate room. So if you have the ability to do that, you could think about what do you intend to be doing with people that's going on versus what do you want to have prepared beforehand. That's an interesting take on it as well. But there's major adjacencies that you want to think about. So if you consider how are you getting the food into the home, what are you going to be passing through? So I think most commonly is people, if they have a garage, will connect it to the garage or a side door in the house to get to the kitchen. And kind of between that is a mudroom type space that is perhaps separate from the garage, but it's a little bit nicer where you might have shoes, jackets, umbrellas, things like that, and a little bit more of a nicer setting than maybe getting dirty in an unair conditioned space as well and getting humidity in the garage. So adjacency and functionality of coming in through a garage and thinking about the visual of opening the door near the garage and how that works. On the other end is bedrooms and bathrooms. So most people will have a powder room or something like that. And of course, everybody knows this, you don't want the door opening up the worst sin, as you could, if you could say, is opening up somewhere where someone's already eating. The next one is where you're preparing food. And third is just noise or visual to a living room space or something like that. So the scenario you want to have is some type of alcove, vestibule, a door into another area where they're not already and placing a bathroom there where you can acoustically and visually seal it off from people. Now that may seem like a no brainer, but you don't, if you start working yourself into a corner, that's a big red flag. I would say that in your plan, that something needs to be adjusted. Something needs to switch or flip so that you can have that comfort of knowing that that's at least out of sight, out of mind as much as possible. And so you've got those bathrooms and bedrooms, I would say with the kitchen, most likely It's not right there, but it's all up to you what your acoustic lifestyle is like. Like, does one family member like to listen to music loud? Does someone talk a lot in the kitchen? Things like that. Do certain people have parties when other people are sleeping? How much of a stressor is it to have those connected? So those adjacencies you want to consider and you will do yourself a favor since this is your custom house and you can have it exactly like you want. Thinking about how the doors are treated, how the acoustics of the wall are treated, and the ceilings. It's important. Sound does travel through ceilings. There's a ceiling class acoustic rating that is a whole calculation. And most of the time we know industry standards and that works, but you just want to make sure you're addressing it and you're handling it correctly. So once you've figured out the general functionality and adjacency of the kitchen in the house and it's taking shape, there's major things that go into the kitchen itself, the sculpture of the kitchen, the image of the kitchen, the thing of the kitchen. And that is, of course, the cabinets and the countertop. That's kind of what the holder of all these things, right? And then you have the appliances, which are like oven, the cooktop, and I would include the vent for the cooktop in there. If you have a microwave oven, those type of appliances, dishwasher, refrigerator, and then the plumbing fixture. So the sink and the faucet. And what's very popular right now is a pot filler that's on the cooktop. So you can just put the pot there and fill it up and you don't have to try to get a big thing. A lot of people that use those, I've noticed, tend to, at least two times I've had those mentioned because they have a wok and they wanted to put uh, water in it for something. 
and then they didn't like carrying it around and it was so big then the sink was annoying and so just thinking about do you want to be walking around sloshing a lot of water potentially so you have these plumbing fixtures or the coffee machines those are very popular right now having the built-in espresso machines that are plumbing related so you know you've got the appliances the plumbing and the cabinets and also the big one is lighting so when you've got all these things going together, the lighting is how your eye interprets it and moves around. And there's two types of lighting that are important to consider. So you have your general lighting in the room that makes it feel bright or set a mood that's maybe like romantic or spiritual, depending on um, what season it is, what you're doing. Um, but see, there are seasonal activities that are more related to that. And then there's the task lighting. So... For instance, if you have general lighting in the room, but you're working on cleaning your dishes or prepping them, you know, getting the chunks of food off of them, but you're blocking the lighting, that's why under-counter lighting is so important. It does look neat, but it's not just there because it creates ambiance or floating look for the upper cabinets. It's got a function to it to help you maintain clean surfaces. And I would be remiss if I did not mention electrical. So the most common question I guess people are like, I don't like an electrical outlet there. Can I take it out? And you need to have in a kitchen electrical outlet. There's a code and I may state it slightly wrong, but it's like you can't have more than 24 inches that you've got to reach to one. So you need an outlet at least every four feet, but you also have to have one on each side of an appliance. And we go through painstaking effort to make sure those are the least visible as possible. Now, the way we do that is one, trying to put them on the sides whenever we can so it's not you're looking straight at whatever the, the kitchen itself is. Two is if we can, in the middle ones, put them in the bottom of the upper cabinets if it's a type that's low enough where you don't see the outlet. Our favorite is using Bocce System 22, and that is, one, the most fun type of outlet, but it also definitely creates the most minimalist look overall. In some jurisdictions, you can use a pop-up. So you can have an insert that looks like the countertop that the electrical pops up. But there ends up being quite a number of electrical connections that are hidden in the kitchen for appliances. We had I had one house that uh, the number of outlets and power under the sink was amazing because they had a, a smart faucet that you could talk to, right? Then you had the dishwasher, you had the grinder, and I think it might have been dishwasher. I think there were, somehow there was four outlets under the sink, and it was just getting to be like a lot of stuff under there. So coordinating all that and making sure that everything is tidy and clean when you open the cabinets because you can end up with so much in there. You know, when you open the sink, you see a grinder, then there's a hose going to the dishwasher. There's a pull-out trash can. That's one of the things I always try to do is hide. So being a, a minimalist architect, so minimalism, I was just talking with someone the other day. They're like, well, this project that you did isn't minimalist. Why are you calling yourself a minimalist architect? Well, as much as possible, I try to serve and partner with people that are specifically wanting minimalist detail, minimalist space, minimalist home. But there's still a benefit for minimalism if it's not the number one thing you're going for. And I always say that that's to let the things that are important shine. So I was talking with them and I was like, well, if you think about it, we went through painstaking effort to make these details as minimalist as we could. But if 
that was not the goal, there would have been so much over the top, like Baroque, you could say, or, or Mannerist. Like it could have ended up being completely exaggerated and over the top. So that minimalist tendency and intention on the details and on the way that things were put together helped make it something that was more approachable to more people and let the specific things that were very detailed shine that were placed in the minimalist space. So there's a lot to that. But with that said, as much as possible, what we do is minimalist appliances. So I'm going to go through them, but then I'm going to make a, a statement. So one of like the standard things to me that you should do is, of course, hidden trash cans. Make sure the trash cans are in the kitchens. Hidden dishwasher. There's no reason. Even the latest dishwasher technology, or general, I'm sure there's something super advanced that I don't know about, so I'm not going to make a perfect broad statement, but has hidden panel dishwashers. Same thing with refrigerators. You can get any refrigerator, not any, but any type of refrigerator. There's a version of it that you can get with hidden panels now. So that makes it disappear as much as possible. Cooktops, they even have cooktops that are integrated into the countertop now. So there's no visible cooktop. The hood vents, there's two options. You do the downdraft hood vent or you do the hood vent that's integrated into upper cabinets if you have those. So even the kitchen sinks, we've made insert panels so that when you have guests overs, the kitchen sink is not visible. It's made of the same material as the countertop. So each of these things begins to just, there's oven drawers that you can get. There's so many things that you can do to make sure the craftsmanship and the wood of the casework stands out, or even that you can begin to make that recede into the wall to open up your space and refresh it and declutter the way things are. Now, with that said, one main goal is to me because maintenance and repair and things like that is a very important part of your kitchen is trying to use the same manufacturer as much as possible. But with all those things I mentioned often and getting the dimensions that you want for the kitchen, I've found that most of the times you can achieve those things if you're willing to have a, a couple different manufacturers for things. But that's also something to be taken into account. Now there's something else. If the functionality, you just want to have gas cooking a lot. Now, even this one I can get you with. A lot of people are like, well, I want gas cooking. So I don't know if you've seen it, but they do have gas burners that you, instead of having a whole gas stove, you end up having the plugs on the wall and the burners are in the drawer. And when you really want to cook something, you plug in those gas burners into the wall. Now, that is super exciting to me because even when people have a gas stove, it might only be because there's one particular type of dish that they really want to cook open flame and the way that it heats it evenly. So you don't need four or six gas burners. You may only need one. So you might be able to even have like the countertop with the built-in cooktop and then just have one connection for gas for the time uh, when you need it. So there's so much going on today that makes it so that the kitchen is a design playground of functionality and experience and make that an important part of your design. When you're planning the whole home, we always want to be thinking through the functionality of the kitchen and the circulation, materiality, the environment and feeling and emotion that you want to try to generate with the way that you think about it. Thank you so much for talking about kitchens with me today. I 
probably could do an episode on each thing in this realm, just talking about cabinets and woodwork and texture and the way drawers open and close or you push them or you don't even have to. You can talk to them nowadays, which is crazy. Wave your hand in front of them, just all type of functionality, things like that. Or we could just talk about functionality of appliances. So we'll eventually get to that. But the Kitchen Bath and Beyond series is leading into a series of going through each type of the um, construction specifications that go in your home, which is like finishes, the structure, concrete, wood, metal, thermal and moisture protection. And there's artistic and exciting parts of every single one of those. I just love them so much and I love designing for them and creating with them for you. I'm so excited you're on this custom home journey. If you listen to this long, thank you. I appreciate it. I hope you'll join in next week. Uh, if you want to just see fun stuff that comes from my creative heart, go to ca-rd.shop. There's also a link on ca-rd.com. If you want to continue your custom home journey and really kick it off, feel free. Go to ca-rd.com and click book a consultation, and I'll be happy to speak with you about your custom home journey. I'm J.D. Carling, your architect from CA-RD. Thank you again. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Card Custom Home and Architecture Podcast. If you are ready to start your journey of a lifetime designing and building a custom home or project, sign up for a free consultation at CA-RD.com today. We look forward to the journey together and making something unique for you and your family. If you have any topics you want to discuss or questions about your custom home design for future episodes, send us a message via our website, ca-rd.com. And again, join us next time for another episode of the Card Custom Home and Architecture Podcast.